But first for our Shapirouette, as you know, beloved listeners, the uh, Hurricane Donald is still roaring up from Florida, causing all sorts of damage in Washington, D.C. But Bruce, tell me about uh, Hurricane Ian and what it's doing to Florida in return. Oh, this is, first of all, simply a horrific storm, one of the worst to hit the United States uh, and in, in decades. Um, hit a part of the west coast of Florida, however, on the Gulf of Mexico, south of Tampa, where A, it was not expected to hit, and B, which has not seen a major hurricane uh, in years. So it's been quite devastating. You have um, towns like Fort Myers that saw feet of water flooding out homes and central parts of town. Um, you've got at least 80 people dead and billions of dollars in property damage still to be determined. It's also going to exacerbate the housing crisis in Florida. Florida is already one of the most expensive states to live in the country. Um, That part of Florida includes a wide range of folks from very wealthy people directly on the coast to middle-class and working families inland. And it's expected that this is going to be a huge challenge, but it's also having a very interesting political effect. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Florida um, because of Governor Ron DeSantis, who's trying to position himself to be of presidential medal um, in 2024. DeSantis made his bones in his first year Bruce, of Congress. The, I'm afraid that- the hurricane has also hit our... Uh- Hit, hit our relationship. So, look, we're going to call you back. We have him. Bruce, I was just asking you to update us on uh, on DeSantis, who opposed aid after, um, you know, on the New York region, after the uh, yes, Hurricane after Sandy. Case, after Storm Sandy back in uh, 2013, which just devastated New York City, DeSantis has a, a new... Republican member of Congress made his bones by fighting against desperately needed aid. Now, of course, he is going hat in hand, talking like a normal constituency politician to President Biden uh, so that Florida can get desperately needed emergency aid. And of course, President Biden, being Joe Biden, uh, is going to say yes. It, 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 it does shift the math for DeSantis, though. It's kind of hard to run as an anti-big government conservative when big government has just bailed out your state and you've had to eat your own famous anti-government words. Um, you know, he also has not exactly been super charismatic in the aftermath of this. And sometimes in the aftermath of disasters, politicians uh, will turn out to get a lot of blame when it turns out planning wasn't what it should be, things like that. So um, this could have not just an effect in Florida, but a a challenge to how we've been thinking the 2024 presidential race and national politics generally will be playing out. Now, of course, Joe Biden and First Lady Jill hope to be visiting Florida this week. They would have, of course... Well, vivid memories of George W. Bush's uh, famous failure to make the uh, to make an appropriate visit to New Orleans. Will they be welcome? Oh yeah, they will certainly be welcome. Uh, first of all, while Florida is a red state, 
it's also got a lot of Democrats in it. Uh, secondly, in the aftermath of, of disaster, communities in general um, welcome presidential visits. It's notable, um, however, that the Bidens will first be stopping in Puerto Rico, which of course was, was devastated by another storm just a week ago, where there are still hundreds of thousands of people without power, as indeed some 850,000 people are still without power in Florida. And of course, um, the most vivid memory of of the prior president, Donald Trump, in the aftermath of a hurricane, is showing up in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria uh, to throw paper towels at the not-so-adoring crowd. Um, you know, Biden is trying to clearly mark the kind of president he is in the aftermath of disaster. Um, and modeling as well, remember what he sees as as the role of governance. This is the build back better president, even though his plan has now been renamed the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and he has been trying steadily to make the argument for a more robust social contract, even in uh, traditionally red or divided states. So, you know, um, this has both human and political consequences. Now, of course, climate scientists are saying that the U.S. can expect uh, ever more severe storms as the planet sort of, uh, reaches boiling point. Is that being factored into the uh, Build Back plan? Well, it is. One of the major planks of the Build Back Better plan or the, inf the, the uh, inflation reduction plan has been to... Um, a, rebuild critical infrastructure uh, in coastal areas, but also to do the kind of carbon reduction to promote the kind of alternative energy sources that presumably will slow climate change and also, you know, will will in allow states and the federal government to invest in preparation. Um, but you know, the question is not just about coastal areas; it's about it's about the protection of of wetlands nationally. This is coming before the Supreme Court this week in an interesting way. There's all kinds of ways in which the the impact of rising water and the impact of protecting the land's ability to absorb water. It's not just about climate change up there. It's about the role of development in coastal areas and in wetlands in absorbing rising waters. That's you know, why we're seeing so much more flooding than we used to. Okay, storms at the Supreme Court, there's quite a lot of them brewing. Indeed, well, and one of them is about wetlands. Um, yesterday, the first day of the term, the uh, Supreme Court with its the first full term with the newest justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson, but also the first full term with the newly consolidated post-row conservative majority, heard a uh, Clean Water Act case from Idaho that would um, take about 60% of American wetlands out of the Clean Water Act if a couple from Idaho who want to build a house on a, a bit of wetlands that's adjacent to, but not actually connected to a protected river, prevail. So we're gonna be defining that. Um, there also are a couple of key cases defining electoral democracy going forward. Uh, there's an argument coming today about Alabama 
and the Voting Rights Act. Alabama is a state that's 27% black, and yet only one of its seven congressional districts is uh, a majority black district. A lower court, including member uh, just two out of three justices appointed by Donald Trump, found that Alabama has violated the Voting Rights Act repeatedly in diluting black strength. But this new conservative majority may be poised to overrule that. There's a huge case as well from North Carolina that is testing um, a, a kind of insurgent conservative doctrine that would remove the protection of state courts from uh, that, that would exempt legislatures from, from having to answer to state courts when they draw district lines. Uh, it comes from North Carolina, where the state Supreme Court said that a gerrymandering scheme um, by a Republican legislature violated the state constitution. The idea is to strip that power of state courts away and say legislatures alone get to make up the voting rules. These are fundamental democratic institution cases. It's going to be an enormously consequential term. Meanwhile, of course, uh, public approval for the court has sunk to an all-time low. Well, and the justices are arguing about that amongst themselves. Um, Justice Elena Kagan uh, has warned that the legitimacy of the court is at stake. Um, on the other hand, Samuel Alito, um, now one of the kind of having the intellectual leadership of the conservative wing, is castigating critics of the court saying questioning the court's legitimacy is going too far. And caught in the middle in an interesting way is Chief Justice John Roberts, who on the one hand, you know, is a Reagan era conservative. We all know his voting record, but he has worried aloud, mulled aloud about um, the public perception of the court. You know, the court depends on the, well, it's not a while, while, while it's not supposed to respond to opinion polls, support for the Supreme Court's decisions and acceptance of the court's rulings does have to reflect some kind of public consensus much of the time. And there is worry um, that a too rapid stripping of precedents um, could really, really damage the court going forward. Of course, there's pressure on Joe Biden to... Um, change the number of justices on the court, that's not going to happen. But the, the role of the Supreme Court now as an active political player, Clarence Thomas, his wife Ginny Thomas, all of this in the, you know, in the election case last year, all of those are causing the court to be seen through a more partisan lens than ever in American history. Thanks, Bruce. Talk to you next week. That was a Shapiro with Bruce Ellinell on RN. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.